the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. And ladies and gentlemen, we are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area Pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight on Contending for the Faith, uh, we continue our series entitled The Different Storms God Allows in Our Lives. When we look around our world today, and even within our churches, there are many different storms that God allows in our lives. God uses these storms to mature us, to break us, to remake us, and to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. The big question is, are we truly listening to the lessons of these various storms in our lives? Storms that God is using to get our attention and to get us to a place where he wants us to be. Not because he hates us, but rather the contrary, because he loves us. So tonight we bring you part three in our new series, The Different Storms God Allows in Our Lives. So stay tuned for we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed and thank you so much for that wonderful, uplifting uh, introduction as always. And we wanna thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be blessed and encouraged by our program tonight. And so we want you to buckle up as well as get you a pen, a paper, and also get to a desk with a Bible and get ready to be blessed tonight. Uh, now, we are talking about the different storms that God allows in our lives. And everybody on this planet is going through some type of a storm. And uh, the purpose of a lot of these storms is to test our faith. And uh, if you have a weak faith, uh, you'll sink. If you have a strong faith, uh, you'll stand above the troubled waters of life. And, you know, uh, I was uh, talking with Gary uh you know, earlier part of the week, and uh, we were just talking about troubled hearts, and all of our hearts are going through some type of uh, challenge with so many deaths and so many uh, issues in life financially. Uh, we're going through things with the battle of the devil, the flesh, and the world, and we're going through things with uh, family issues, marital issues, and it's just a multitude of things, even addiction that people are struggling with. 
And the Lord gave me a good word to share with uh, Gary, and I want to share it with all of you. And it's uh, from Psalms 34 and verses 17, uh, 18, and 19. Uh, Psalms 34, 17, 18, and 19. And this is a very comforting uh, scripture for heavy hearts and really hearts that are going through so much right now. And let me read that to you. It says in verse 17, the righteous cry. Oh, you got to cry out to the Lord. When you have a heavy heart, you got to cry out to him because he's a God that hears our cries. What are you going through? Just cry out to the Lord. Cry out to him right now. And then it says, and the Lord heareth. Isn't that good news? When you cry out to the Lord, he not only hears it, your cry, but he also delivers them out of all their trouble. He didn't say some of their trouble, but all. Look at the word all. Look at verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Now, that's very interesting. We would say that the Lord is nigh. He was nigh to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, right there by them. And you remember, Jesus had said in Matthew 28, I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. The good news is in every storm, God is right there. You just got to reach out to him. It says, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as to be of a contrite spirit. Many are affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, I want you uh, to be blessed by this. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and edification and exhortation of his holy word. And I want you to notice uh, the word in verse 17, out of all. And he mentions the word out of them all in verse 19. Let me just meddle with the word out for a moment because you know, a lot of times when we're in it, we don't see that there is a way out because, uh, oh, ye of little faith. That's what Jesus said to the disciples when they were on the Sea of Galilee. Oh, ye of little faith. And uh, we need to pray for bigger faith and trusting God because he never forsakes us and he never turns his back on us. We're the ones that turn our backs on him. So a lot of times when you hit rock bottom, there's always a bottom out. How about that? When you hit rock bottom, there's always a bottom out. And uh, I wanna say some things before I get into this first point again, uh, that uh, is interesting on the word deliver, because I wanna say uh, three things about deliverance. There are three ways that God delivers, and I want you to make a note of this. Three ways that God delivers, and never forget. Number one, he delivers in the storm. You know, he delivers in the storm. You say, wow, I can't believe that. Well, believe it. He delivers in the storm. That's what he did with the disciples. They were in the midst of the storm, and he delivered them in, in the storm. And he delivered the three Hebrew boys. They were in the fire, remember? And he delivered them out. Now, he delivered them in the storm. And then, secondly, 
he delivers out of the storm. And we see this uh, with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. They finally got out of the storm. They were in it. They were in it. And they were in it to win it with the Lord. But sooner or later, he brought them out of the storm. And Daniel was in that lion's den. And uh, yet God got him out of it too. And, and he protected him as well from the lions eating him and, uh, and tearing him apart. And then the third way that God delivers is up out of the storm. That means that sometimes when people are suffering greatly in the storm with various diseases and cancer and, you know, they have so many sicknesses, what God does, he just says, you know what? I'm going to bring you home. I'm going to bring you up out of it, out of the storm. Isn't that beautiful? Three ways that God delivers, in, out, and up. Oh, that's a three-point sermon right there for somebody. Uh, hallelujah. You know, so let's get to these points again, the, uh, the different storms that God allows in our life. And we had said... Uh, Last week, we said that there are, number one, there are storms that we create. There are storms that we create. And we see this in the life of Jonah. Jonah uh, was told by God to go to Nineveh. And he refused to be obedient to the command of the Lord. And so what God did when he got on God's sea, God prepared a big fish for him uh, in the midst of the storm and took him on a submarine ride. And when he got through with him, a you know, Jonah was ready to go and do what God called him to do. And that old Nazarene hymn is true. He never compels us to go. He never compels us to go against our wills, but he'll sure make us willing to go. And then you look at somebody like Samson, you know, he created a storm. He had no business marrying a Philistine woman. Yeah, a worldly woman. And he created a storm in his life and in the life of Israel and had fallen away from God. And he was the one that created that. He had no business being involved with an ungodly woman. And that's the same is true for all of us, those who are single listening to this. You know, you don't have no business being with an ungodly man or woman in your life other than witnessing to them. But Samson created a storm in his life and ended up dying an early death. And his enemies started mocking him. Isn't it interesting when famous people fall by the wayside? When they fall by the wayside, uh, it is it is a terrible thing when they fall by the wayside. And we need to understand that it's a serious situation because it opens up the door for the world to mock us. And that's what they did with Samson. They mocked him and uh, they ridiculed him. And they also, you know, put out of his eyes because they saw that that was his weakness with women. Oh, Lord, help us today, because we create a lot of storms for ourselves 
and it ends up being a disaster for a lot of us, and we need to come to grips with this. Now, I want to say this and and bringing this home that in the midst of every storm that you go through and I go through, never forget that God is always there. He may not be there when you're wanting, but he's always on time. He's always there, but he's going to allow you to go through it. Notice this. He's going to allow you to go through it, to get to it. That rhymes, doesn't it? Gonna allow you to go through it, to get to it. And you just gotta keep the faith and keep doing what God called you to do and keep trusting him and everything gonna turn out all right because we have a God that's in control and Jesus was in control of mother nature. He just stood up when they called out his name. Jesus, you care that we perish? And you know, when you have a heart, heavy heart and you're going through some things, you got to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, do you care about my heart? It feels like it's perishing. My mind feels like it's perishing. My spirit feels like it's perishing. Can you help me, Lord? Can you, can you literally deliver me, deliver my heart? You know, and I want to close on this note with you. Let me give you another important word, two words. One is, remember 1 John 4 and 4. Ye are of God, though, children, and have overcome them. Overcome who? Anything that's attacking you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Lean on the Holy Spirit that's in you to touch your heart, touch your mind, touch your spirit, your contrite spirit. Touch you and deliver you and give you power to deal with whatever you're going through. And then I want to close on this scripture here, Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Oh, this is so comforting. Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You having a hard time sleeping at night? You having a hard time resting in the day? Having a hard time? You need to lean on the promises that Jesus said. I say this every night before I go to bed. I, I'll say this scripture here so God can give me the rest I need. But he promised me. Come unto me. He didn't say come into a religion. He didn't say come into a, a seminary. He didn't say come into a church. He said come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Doesn't life seem to be heavy at times? and I will give you rest. What an encouraging word. Take my yoke upon you and learn, learn from me. Oh, you got to be in the Bible. You got to be reading it. You got to find comfort in God's word, learning about Jesus. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Notice that Jesus said, my heart is gentle and lowly. In other words, my heart can help your heart, and you will find rest. Notice he mentioned that word rest again. Rest unto your souls, because your soul is being troubled inside. Rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The old black hymnal song in the black churches that take your burdens to the Lord and take it to the cross and leave it there. Oh, my friend, 
Leave all your burdens to the Lord. And when you do that, you'll find rest of your inside your heart and in your soul. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. And Lord, touch somebody right now that's been touched by this message. We ask that you bring them to confession of their sins by not trusting you and surrendering their life to you as Lord. In our Heavenly Father's name, through Christ, we say together, amen. Brother Gary. And amen. All right. What a word. What a word for us tonight. I know that you are encouraged. I know I'm encouraged. And we just want to main, make sure that if you're still struggling, you can give us a call tonight. We don't want you struggling alone. We don't want you fearful alone. If you want to talk about the things that are, are on your mind, if you want to talk about the message tonight, if you made a decision tonight to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I know somebody out there heard that call, heard that that uh, just that message, well, it's time for you to move on it, act on it. Give us a call tonight. We'll be right back, right after these messages. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell, and we just want to take this opportunity to thank all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith these many, many years. We can't thank you enough for your support, for the love that has gone up. Uh, over this ministry. We know it's your prayers that keep us going. And so we thank you. And we ask that you continue to pray, that you are consistent in prayer. I think one of the true hallmarks of any lasting ministry is that prayer is taking place on behalf of that ministry. It's so vital. I've been to churches and I've spoken at different places and I've always can I can always tell when a church doesn't have a vibrant prayer ministry. There's something missing. There's something lacking. There's a dryness and an emptiness about, about that place. So prayer is vital. We always say prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. So thank you for your prayers. They're so important to us. And also we want to thank all of you who over the many years have partnered with us financially to keep this uh, ministry on the air. Um, it is listener-supported, and we thank you for that support. We know that your prayers and your, your generosity keep us going. So we just, we just want to say thank you, and there's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon is spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. The second way is so much simpler. Just go online, your tablet, your smartphone. Go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and simply click on the donate button. It's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. 
Now, a couple of quick announcements. Next two weeks, Dr. Buckner and I will be out of the studio. Uh, we'll return live September 30th. Uh, we want the listening audience to also be in prayer for Dr. Buckner's oldest daughter, Erica. She's going to have uh, knee replacement surgery. And uh, so I know they're going to be uh, praying for her. Nancy's going back to Houston to be with her. And so there's a lot of stuff going on in the Buckner, Buckner household. And we just want to hold them up in prayer. Lord, we just pray for this situation, for Erica and and her immediate family as well. We pray, Lord God, for uh, the best doctors and the best situation, Lord God, that she would come out of this with a great report, that the, the surgery would be successful, and Lord God, that she would have a speedily recovery in Jesus' name. So we just want to keep them in prayer over the next few weeks, and remember, we'll be out for the next two weeks and return live September the 30th. All right, Dr. Buckner, about ready to uh, deal with these phone calls. Yes, let's do that, Brother Gary. Sounds like a good plan. All righty then. We have Rick on line one. Rick, are you there? Yes, I am. How about yourselves? Uh, we are uh, blessed and highly favored in the Lord, brother, and it's always, it's always good to hear your voice. And what's on your heart tonight? Uh, an interesting question, and not everybody always goes through the Old Testament. But uh, when, when Joseph's brothers uh, came to uh, Egypt and they encountered Joseph, they, the Bible says they did not recognize Joseph at first. How did, how did they, even though the Bible doesn't say so, how, did they, uh, how were they able to uh, recognize Joseph as their brother? That is, a very, that, that is a very good question, Brother Rick, and appreciate that, that question uh, to uh, us <clears throat> and to me. Um, because a lot of people have been somewhat uh, puzzled around uh, that uh, question. And because, you know, he was put in a pit left for dead by the brothers at a very young age. Uh, Joseph was the first Kunta Kente uh, that was, uh, uh, became a slave in Egypt. And uh, as he uh, got uh, older, the Lord had, uh, blessed him with uh, the interpretation of dreams, and he was able to um, impress Pharaoh, and they moved him up as a prime minister of Egypt, and uh, Jacob, you know, he had uh, these uh, 12 sons, and uh, they were trying to uh, deal with a famine in the land of Israel, and they had no grain and stuff like that. So they had to go to Egypt to get grain and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, God works in an awesome way. So uh, Joseph, uh, through interpretations and God working in the spirit, he knew that those were uh, his brothers, you know, uh, 12 sons of Israel. And they, he was determined to get them there and to, uh, those brothers there, and he wanted to get the younger brother, Benjamin, to come there. And I believe, and when we get to heaven, we'll be able to ask God this uh, question as well. I personally believe, even though it's a mystery on uh, how, I mean, God revealed who his brothers was to Joseph, but they didn't know who he was, 
from Adam. And so what I believe that he did was it's just where he took them in a room. I believe he took all those brothers in a room. And when he took them in a room, I believe what he did is that he showed them part of his body. Because uh, when you think about it, all the Egyptians, uh, they were not circumcised. And he was circumcised as a young kid. So when the brothers saw that, uh, when he probably showed his part of his body and, and then said, I'm Joseph, and they said, oh, my goodness, you know, this must be Joseph because, you know. So it's something that's uh, from an argument from science, but I think it's a pretty good uh, observation because he had to do something that had to blow them away other than God just revealing that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Joseph. But he took him in the room and they were there for a while, the scripture says. And Joseph probably did that. When I get to heaven, that will be a good question to ask uh, God and ask Joseph too. <laughs> ask Joseph along with them and ask the brothers too. How did you find? How did you guys find out? You know, I'm I'm gonna say I'm curious to find out how you guys found out. Yeah. So in verse 45 of Genesis, it says 45 and three. Then Joseph said to his brothers, "I'm Joseph." So he revealed himself to them. That's yep. the only. They didn't. They would never have known unless he would have revealed it. Unless he revealed it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He says, oh, Joseph, does my father still live? But mm -hmm. his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph yeah. said, "Brothers, please come near to me." So they came near. Then he said, "I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt." So he mm -hmm. revealed it. They never would have known. No, they never would have known. Yeah, and and he. He, he brought out all of that, too. and uh, But I think also he did some additional things, too, that uh, along with that, because the Lord showed him, uh, and he brought out for who he was, but he probably went a step further, too. That's something I will be asking the Lord about. So hopefully, Rick, that helps out uh, with your, your question. Uh, we trust that you know, you we you always been a good student of the Word of God, so hopefully that that helped you out. Amen. It, it definitely, it, that made me think. Yeah, which yeah. Is, which is what you've done with me for the last twenty six years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Make me think. Make me study more. Mm-hmm. And, and and pass it on to others. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well. Thank you for your call. Do you have any prayer requests? Uh, yes. We pray for some order in uh, in Cadence right now that they get into Cadence with mm -hmm. with their organization. We pray for pray for me to uh, get involved in teaching a Bible study over there. Mm -hmm. I start I started sharing some biblical stuff for people, mm -hmm. and they're interested in doing a study. Yes. And I thought one of the first things I would do is uh, look at the Bible like a road map. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, know, you know the road map of your neighborhood. It's time to know, know the road map of the Bible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And very few people really know the road map, so you're bringing out some in, important things. Yes. A amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's take that to the Lord in prayer, Lord. We just... 
have been praying for Brother Rick for a long time, and we just continue to pray that you strengthen him in his physical man, that you continue to encourage him in his inner man, Lord God. And we know, Lord God, that as long as you, as you have him here on planet Earth, you have a work for him to do. And I, we just rejoice, Lord God, that he's considering doing a Bible study where he's at, Lord God, and we pray your anointing be upon him, that you would give him the words he needs to bring to his remembrance, uh, your scriptures, Lord God, that you would use him mightily to teach a Bible study, to provide reasons and answers right where he's at, Lord God, and that those that would be in his hearing would be blessed, Lord God, that they, Lord God, whose hearts are hungry for the word would receive your word with gladness, and Lord God, that they would grow in wisdom and, and, and faith, Lord God. So use Brother Rick. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Rick, for always for your good questions, and we always get blessed by it as well. All right. Well, Thank we're going to, it's about that time for us to take a commercial break rather than jump into another call. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith and all of you who have partnered with us uh, financially to keep this ministry going. There's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. But as we said earlier, the best, the easiest way is to go online to contendingfaith.org. Contendingfaith.org, click on the donate button and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. Once again, we just want to remind you that for the next two weeks, we will be airing some of the best of Contending for the Faith. Dr. Buckner and I will be out of the uh, studio, shall we say. And so you'll be able to listen, of course, but we won't be answering questions. We'll be returning September 30th live. So you can uh, save your questions for that night. All right, Dr. Buckner, we got a lot of calls, so we got to move quickly. Yes. All right, let's get to them, Brother Gary. All right, Jermaine, are you there? Oh, yes, I'm here. All righty, Brother Jermaine, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing very well tonight. Oh, that's good. Always good to hear your voice. And what do you have on your heart tonight? Well, I just wanted to talk about uh, generational curses in the Old Testament. I think it was Exodus. I um, I, I know a brother who we were having a discussion. He seems to believe that generational curses, as mentioned in that chapter, could still apply today to those who are not saved. And I uh, thought I'd show them a few verses and, you know, how Christ kind of ended that and how there's a difference, there seems to be a difference between that particular generational curse and then, you know, other things that are self-perpetuating. So I just wanted to hear your uh, breakdown of that. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you for that question. That's a very, very good question. Um, yes, uh, when you mention uh, Exodus 20, I'll get to that in a minute. 
But this whole concept of uh, generational curses, I was talking to Gary a, a little bit about this during the uh, break. Uh, that's something that has been developed uh, from the word faith teachers. They have been the ones who have really kind of like emphasized generational curses and from the third generation, the third and fourth generation. and they, But they never bring out some important points from the Bible. It's mainly uh, word faith teachers uh, coming up with these ideologies that contradict the Bible. So there, there were curses in the uh, Old Testament, um, and the curses came upon people, and they came upon uh, their generation. But if you look at Exodus chapter 20, and verse 5, uh, it says here, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For, uh, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, uh, make a note of the word, hate me. So the thing that counteracted uh, the curses that came upon the people in the Old Testament was those that hated God. The curses stopped uh, because God is saying in the context here, the curses are only going to be applied to those that hate the Lord. So if you love the Lord and you follow the Lord and you serve the Lord, the curses will not affect you. But if you continue to walk in uh, rebellion and that sort of thing, then the curses will affect you. Now, uh, it is clear if you do an exegetical study of uh, the Old Testament, and you will find over and over and over where, uh, in the context of, of Old Testament, that it's, it's, it makes it very clear that God doesn't hold the sins of the fathers upon the, the, the sons. I mean, it's, it says that in various passages uh, of the Word of God. And so if you do an in-depth study of that, you'll find that. Now, I want to say this in relationship to the New Testament. What the New Testament has done is that it has uh, changed the word curses to consequences. So when you get into the New Testament, you don't hear the writers like Paul and Jesus and others saying, if you don't do this and you don't do that, then you will be cursed. I mean, we're, because that's something very important to state to those who are saying, oh, generational curses apply to today too. But you have to let them know, wait a minute, when you talk about generational curses, it was something that was applied to those who hated the Lord. If they didn't hate the Lord, it didn't apply to them. Even with immediate families, it, it didn't apply to them. So the word, the, the, the emphasis in the New Testament is the word, uh, is curses, uh, not curses, but consequences versus curses. So I think that's very important. Now, let me, let me look at something here while I have you. I want, uh, you have a Bible with you? Oh, yes, I do. Okay. 
look with me in your Bible. I know we got we pressed with time, but look look with me in, in your Bible at uh, Ezekiel chapter eighteen. Look at Ezekiel chapter eighteen, and this will kind of really give you an example of what I'm saying. Okay, so it says in Ezekiel chapter eighteen. Um, in, in other words, uh, this is entitled "Every Soul Bears Its Own Iniquity." So, in verse eighteen, well, I'm gonna go down to verse uh, twenty. It says, "The soul that sinneth, it shall die." The son shall not, the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Notice that, that's that's so important. The soul that sinned, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wicked of the wicked shall be upon him. So you you want to look at that passage. You also want to look at um, John nine one through three, because they said, "Why were you blind? Was it because of your parents, or what was it?" No, because Jesus allowed the man to be blind. And then you want to look at Deuteronomy twenty four and sixteen, um, and those passages there. But it's very clear that. God is saying that he's not going to hold the fathers and the sons responsible for their own personal sin. So when you're listening to word faith teachers, they're always taking things out of context. And I always say a text taken out of context becomes a pretext for error. error. So that Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 20 it's a black eye to all of them. So in the New Testament, we always say the first principle, let's say this in closing on this, the first principle of hermeneutics is that you always interpret the Old Testament in the light of the new and never the reversal. So you don't see, you let them know that. Where do you see in the New Testament the word curses? Jesus teaching that if you don't, you don't follow me, you're going to be cursed. What he says is, you'll be beaten with many stripes versus using the word, the Old Testament words of curses. So that's an Old Testament concept, but it didn't apply to everybody within the family unless, like the key word there in Exodus chapter 20, unless they hated the Lord, then it would apply to them in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you've got the Differences between the first, the first seat in the Old Testament is curses, New Testament is consequences. Hopefully that helps out. I kind of went into this on a little deeper detail and wanted to give you uh, Ezekiel, but hopefully you got that passage in Ezekiel and share that with them because it's a powerful verse of scripture. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Barker. Appreciate it. And thank you always, brother, for your good questions. You always bring some good ones. Appreciate that. God, All right. God bless you. Let's go to Sophia on line three. Sophia, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. Thank you very much. I have to tell you, your opening was such a comfort to me. I really needed to hear that. The Lord says, come and I will give you rest. What's better than that? Now, I know we're rushed for time, so I'm going to ask quickly. I was reading you know, in 
Um, Philippians 2.12 says something about work out your own salvation. So I have two questions. Number one, I'm confused because I don't know, can you lose your salvation? But more importantly, well, that's, that's very important. But I mean, the second part is, in one part of the Bible, it says you, you can um, know, you, no man can boast, no, not one. And, but then on the other hand, it says something about you, that you have to, um, work, faith without works is dead. So do we have to work to get saved? I'm a little confused what that means. Well, you know, you know, I think it was Martin Luther one time had said, the great Reformation father said, we're not saved by works, but we're saved by a faith that works. In other words, uh, Paul and James are not contradicting each other. Uh -huh. James just simply saying uh, faith carries with it the action of works, that it will produce works in one's life. And as far as each, uh, salvation of one's soul, God only gives one type of life, and that is eternal life. And if you can lose it, then it never was eternal. So God gives only that one type of life. Now, when you look at uh, Philippians chapter 2, and you look, go down to verse 12. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have, have always obeyed, not as in the presence only, but now much more in the absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So some people, cults try to say that this means that you got to work for your salvation. That is not what Paul is saying. Because again, you got to look at everything in the context. A text taken out of its context becomes a pretext for error. So you look at verse 13, and it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So what uh, the Apostle Paul is saying, work out what God has worked in. So you're working out of your life from verse 13, you, uh, verse 12, you're working out what God in verse 13 has worked in. And so you, you tie this together with Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, because it tells us, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So we're not saved by works, but we're saved by a faith that puts works into action. And that's the thing, because faith, uh, James said, faith without works is dead, because what he's saying is faith produces works in our life. And this is what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 2, work out what God has worked in. And that means that you're going to produce works. And it says in Ephesians uh, 2 and verse 10, we are his workmanship. So what Paul is saying in Ephesians uh, 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves the gift of God, not of works. But he ends up saying in verse 10 that we are his workmanship. In other words, faith produces works in our life, and that's the key to how faith operates. But we're not saved by works. We're saved by faith alone, faith in, faith in grace alone. Faith in the beginning with grace in the in the middle and in the end. Faith, grace in the beginning, in the middle, 
in the end, but in the end, it will produce works in our life to let the world know that we have been truly saved. So hopefully that helps out. Oh, that was a fabulous explanation. That was very thorough, and I really appreciate it. And God bless you, Bertha. And of course, I'll pray for your daughter, Erica, and her knee surgery. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate that. And thank you always for your call and always your good questions. God bless you. God bless you both. Good night. Good night. Good night. All right. Alfred, right? To Dan here. Dan, okay. All right, Brother Dan, are you there? I noticed something earlier today. Someone had played this song, A Picture of Me Without You. It's an old George Jones song, Laurie Morgan sang it. And as I went through the words of the song, I noticed that was my life before Jesus was in it, before he brought faith into my life. I was a dead river. I was a dead garden with nothing growing in it. I was a nobody singing, nobody happy, no, no bells ringing on Sunday morning because that is all from Jesus Christ. Um, you know, that question that, that Rick asked, uh, I used to wonder why they didn't know Joseph. And then I noticed a psalm that says they hurt his feet with fetters. Probably he would show them his legs and say, look, I've been here in Egypt and my feet are damaged by those fetters that hurt me. So I, I just, I had to wonder both sides of what you were talking about tonight. Thank you for this program. It's good. Well, you, we appreciate you, Dan, hasn't heard from you for a while, but every time we hear from you, it's a blessing. And I appreciate you mentioning this in relationship to your life. And it fits into uh, what the Apostle Paul said in uh, Acts chapter 17, that great Morris Hill sermon, in thee we live and move and have our being. And so without him, uh, we are nothing. And Jesus said we can do nothing without him. So when we come to know him, he becomes everything. So thank you for that uh, short, sweet testimony. And uh, we always appreciate your call. God bless you. Keep you. Keep us in prayer. We'll keep you in prayer as well, brother. Yes. All right. All right. One minute left. You want to try to tackle Alfred's question. Do pastors believe in out-of-body experiences? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I believe that there are some, uh, a minority, um, but um, I believe that um, I think that the, the answer to your uh, question has to be answered and looked at in Second Corinthians chapter 12, because the Apostle Paul really got a thorn in his flesh because he had received so many different revelations uh, about, uh, you know, his experience with God in paradise. And I think to some degree, he was getting ready to kind of like talk about going to uh, paradise and, and sharing that. They probably got in a discussion together talking about their revelations and Paul got to talking about it. And because he wanted to talk about what happened out of body somewhat, God put the thorn in his flesh to keep him humble. I just think that uh, when we go there with that sort of stuff, uh, it's more just more experimentation rather than revelation. And God is not, uh, we don't see anybody in the Bible other than Jesus Christ that tells us about what happens after death 
And that's the thing that we need to stick with. So good question, Alfred, and stick with First Corinthians chapter 12 uh, and read that through because it's a danger going there and Paul was warned. Okay, Brother Gary. All right, well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you, your letters and cards, or an encouragement to us. So please drop us a note. Let us know how this program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.